Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host and Chief Running Officer, Dean Thompson. This week, joining me in the studio is a longtime Run for God supporter, coach, and just an all-around crazy lady, Rebecca McGeorge. Hey, crazy lady. Hey, Dean. <laughs> How's it going? It's going pretty well. It's going well. Good. Well, we're glad you're here. Um, on the show today, Rebecca is going to share a story that she has written with us, um, similar to the way Angie did here a few weeks ago. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this one. And then in Dean's thoughts today, I'm going to share a revolutionary war story. Because what else goes with running better than a revolutionary war story, right? I just can't think of anything. Yeah, but believe it or not, we're going to pull all that together. And this revolutionary war story is going to help us run better. All right. (laughs) All right. So this week's episode is brought to you by a Run for God supporter known as One Source Business Products. Uh, at Run for God, you know, we like to do business with locally owned businesses whenever it's practical. And so One Source Business Products is Dalton's only locally owned office supply company. If you're looking for office supplies, furniture, printing, janitorial, custom forms, or stamps, then we've got you covered. And the price is right. That's why we compare and you save. Give us a call at 706 516 3900. Or try our web address at OneSourceBP.com. One Source Business Products, your source for business solutions. So if you're in Dalton, check those guys out. So how's life been treating you lately? It's been treating me well. It's, it's going very well. So yeah. you're in this, uh, you're doing, you're, you're in Roanoke, Virginia, right? I am. Or, we we or, live in a suburb of Roanoke, okay. Vinton. Virginia. Vinton. We know you're not from Vinton. If you say Vinton with the T, you live in Vinton, Virginia. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> it's about three miles out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so tell us what you're doing these days. You're you're in a ministry now, right? Yeah, yeah. So these days, every morning I wake up and the goal is the Great Commission. Yeah. Uh, so God gave us a vision about four years ago it's been developing since then and um, uh, almost a year ago uh, we gained 501c3 status um, in a ministry that we we founded in our home um, a ministry that is all missions based and so our our goal and mission is to train short-term missionaries and provide them with field opportunities so we we have our hand in a lot of things we do it international um field opportunities for short-term missionaries, domestic opportunities, um, and it's really just been amazing to watch God work. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That's really cool. I'm sure there are some great stories there, Um, just like you have Run for God stories. So how much are you running these days? Uh, About five days a week. Okay. Five days a week. So three, ten, 
40 miles a day? <laughs> well, it's hard to put a number on that. It's definitely not 40 miles a day. Um, but really, and you know what I'm talking about here, is it depends on what you're training for. Yeah. Uh, so that number fluctuates from time to time. Right now, uh, I have a full marathon in about eight to nine weeks. All right. So um, we're working a little bit higher mileage. Yeah. Um, and we've got a group running through the 5K Challenge. So it's it's a balancing. So I, I typically put the numbers on days of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. so so how many races like in a year? How many races will you run? Typically, um, not in a 2020. Yeah, not in the dumpster fire <laughs> year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I love when Mitchell talks about that <laughs> about <laughs> it being a dumpster fire year. Um, yeah. So it really just depends. I, I live like we talked about in the Roanoke, Virginia area. We are an extremely runner friendly, runner heavy community. And so spring and fall, there are nearly unlimited options within yeah. a 50 mile radius of mm-hmm. us for a race. And so I do have um, a lot of races on the docket every year. Um, a lot of them so like are... like every other weekend, every third weekend? Generally. Yeah. Um, generally, it's at least a couple of months during heavy race seasons. Yeah. But it really, it, it also depends on um, what our folks are doing with Run for God Roanoke, uh, what races they're involved in, and what our training goals are. Yeah. Um, so yeah. lots, lots I, of fun. I love, I, I love racing. I, I guess, do too. I do too. I didn't. So I didn't used to like it, yeah. and, and until, legitimately, until I started coaching with Run for God yeah. and putting people over finish lines through their faith. Yeah, made me love the idea of racing because yeah. it gave them a visual, tangible thing. Yeah. Um, to finish and to see how their faith had grown and and all of that, and so I, I love them now and I have all these. Awesome medals, which are fun, except um, you start running out of room for them, and they're just <laughs> hardware. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we have a cool uh, Hebrews 12-1 medal hanger in our hallway and holds all of them. But um, what, what's right on the top rung yeah. that really is like more precious to me than any medal hanging there is the Run for God uh, Steps to Peace track that oh, I have cool. tucked in the top so that anybody that comes in our house and sees that hanger up there, they're going to see that first. Yeah, yeah so, that's cool. That's yeah. very cool. You know what I do with my medals? I don't, you know what my metal hanger is? Christmas tree. It's a lampshade. <laughs> a lampshade. I just hang them around the lampshade next to my bed. Oh, that's un- cool. Until the point where it looks like the, the lamp is going to collapse. And then I just take them off. I throw them in a box upstairs and I start over again. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I used to have a backpack uh, that I kept them in. Um, it's a really special backpack. We did a, a Toby Mac um, rock and roll marathon in Nashville with Team Toby Mac. And as part of that, you know, Toby Mac gave all of the participants these backpacks and they were super cool and it's autographed. And so I, I did this, this, um, I, I was a speaker at a, a kid's uh, Christian school, a, a kid's ministry event. And um, it, it was a demonstration. And so I, I used the backpack and all the medals in it and, and how sin can weigh you down and, and you can start yeah. taking those out and, and all the, the rewards that come from um, getting that sin out of your life. And and all of that stuff and so i used to just keep them in the toby mac backpack that was a good Um, idea for a good illustration yeah it was really super cool and um 
so anyways uh it was it was cool and then i got this this metal hanger yeah. and it's like laser cut you now know you're and all and official and yeah yeah fancy but i you know i'd never bought one um because i really just don't metals aren't my thing i'm not, yeah. I'm not a metal chaser and yeah and that kind of thing but i saw this one at the expo at yeah. the richmond marathon and it was a laser cut metal and it had hebrews 12 one on it and i said i gotta have that yeah um, because if i'm going to display these it's going to be with the recognition of god first That's hanging awesome. above them so yeah. I'll, I'll try to i'll try to post a picture of that in the facebook group yeah uh, that'd be to cool. check out so um so here's a facebook post from this last week that uh talk about facebook nice segue uh <laughs> here, here's one from this past week and it comes from robin bates caldwell each week as I'm working through the questions, setting goals, etc., one of my goals is to be more consistent with my runs and not allow distractions of life to work to interfere uh, and work to interfere. Each week I fail. Last week I was getting ready to meet our local Run for God running group for our weekly run and I was reflecting on how I continue to be inconsistent. I also realized I do this in my spiritual walk as well. I allow distractions to interfere with my witness to others uh, by mood or attitude. I realize that as I set goals, Satan will do anything, throw anything at me to ensure I do not reach those goals. I'm allowing him to win. This week, I still allow distractions to hinder my ability to be more consistent with my running. As I sat here catching up on my devotions, I made time to catch up on the Run for God online classes. I listened to week four. Although I read each chapter each week, I haven't made time to listen to the online portion. Maybe that is why I'm struggling through the week. If I'm not making time for God, I'm leaving room for Satan to enter. A question in week four was, how do you defeat Satan when he wants you to give up? I needed to hear that this week. I defeated him by not giving him room in my life daily. The more room I make for God, the less room there is for Satan. God had laid it on my heart to share this last week, but I didn't. As I sat here going through week six, Dean and Mitchell spoke about this group and how we are all in this together. We are struggling through the same things. I felt maybe I needed to share in case someone else needed to hear it, and I'm sure they did. I love this group and how uplifting and encouraging everyone is. I thank each of you for what you are doing, not only for yourself, but most importantly for learning how to take something we all love and use it for His glory. What a great post. Um, I, I think it's amazing that people are willing to be so open on this Facebook group um, mm -hmm. and post things like this. You know, look, I'm, you know, I mess up, and I just want you to know I mess up, but I'm trying to get back on it and. Um, and I love this idea of you f if you fill up with God, there's no room for Satan to get in, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, I like that. That's great. I um, like that. Yeah, being able to see others str struggle always helps in a couple of areas. It takes your focus off of me, right. and it it lets others know you're not they're not alone. I mean, so many people we talk about that all the time with our stories that how. Everybody has a story, and your story will be impactful to somebody because somebody's going through the same thing. Well, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And and even as coaches, I think sometimes even more as coaches, 
it's imperative that we're transparent yeah. about the struggle because people are looking to you mm-hmm. thinking, oh, she's got this licked. He, mm-hmm. He's got this. He's experienced. He knows. She knows. You know, and, and the truth is we struggle just the same. It's That's just right. at a different mileage point or a different pace <laughs> or um, a different type of race. And yep, so. yep, yep. We're all, and we're all busy. I'm, yesterday I was, um, I was having trouble getting everything done yesterday. So I needed to make a couple of phone calls, a couple of recruiting phone calls. And so I did it while I was running. So um, I, I call a girl from Ecuador and, wow. and asked her, uh, you don't mind if you go running with me, do you? And so, <laughs> uh, so it's a struggle to get things in. Sometimes it's just hard. It, it um, is. You, it is. You yeah. and I have had that phone conversation yeah. running before. And you're running and I'm running. And, yep, that's and true. You know, uh, and sometimes you just, it's making it a, a priority, though. But, um, but we're busy and the struggle is the same. Yeah. No matter how, how much experience you have as a runner, it's, it's still true. the same. Our trivia question from last week. When you lose weight, how does the weight leave your body? Um, <laughs> and it leaves your body in a few different ways. It's not just one. Uh, but one, I was reading about one in particular, and it just kind of struck me to, to, to look, th- look at this. So three ways, through your sweat, through your urine, and mostly through breathing. Uh, we normally think about, we think about sweat, right, because we... We know that when we sweat, we lose weight. We could be cut, but it's because we get dehydrated, not because we're actually losing a ton (laughs) of weight. Um, That's important to understand. Um, And then, of course, urine is uh, is, that's waste from burning Mm -hmm. fat. And so part when you burn fat, part of that waste byproduct that you get from that goes into your urine and comes out that way right um never thought i'd be talking about urine on this podcast yeah <laughs> nothing uh, is sacred in the running world <laughs> uh but then when you're sleeping you lose weight and i, I never thought about it quite this way because i re- i realize I, I weigh myself every day and every, on occasion i might weigh myself in the evening and then weigh myself in the morning and i always lose weight at night and i'm like oh. where's it going yeah. <laughs> well, it goes out through our breathing um, and CO2. So I think that's fascinating that it's, we lose cool. weight while we sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I actually knew this. Did you? And yeah. I, and I was like you, like really shocked that really that's that's when we lose the most. And that's yeah. how it happens. Um, but I, I don't weigh every day. I weigh twice a week. I'm, I'm real don't yeah. about that you know yeah everybody's everybody's different i'd say yeah. some people don't need to weigh more than once a week yeah so, yeah, yeah. yeah. well for a long time i didn't weigh at all yeah so yeah. um we'll but, get into yeah. that here shortly yeah we yeah. sure will <laughs> hey don't forget about the praise text messages we call them god winks and the god winks are awesome don't you love when you get one of those i do and, and my husband is not a runner He's a big run for God supporter, loves the program, loves what we do, um, but he's not a runner. And he is really into these. Yeah. And so when they come through, you know, we're, we're Apple folks, so it comes up on my watch. And I'll, all I have to say is, hey, run for God in Texas. Run for God here. And I think it was Ghana recently yeah. was yep. on there. That's run right. for God in Ghana. Yeah. And that's incredible to me. Um, and he's like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. You know, yeah. and, and he's not even a part of Run for God, but even he's into them. So. Yeah. If you want to, to check that out, go to the Run Club, log into your Run Club account, go to the bottom of the page and look for the God Winks at the bottom. Click on that and it'll tell you how to get those God Winks. I'm telling you, they will change your day. 
the course yeah. of your day you get you, you just you're in the middle of stuff and you're just and you're struggling maybe things aren't going great and you get one of those texts and you nothing else matters it just makes your whole day go better so if you're not signed up for god winks go to the run for god uh, run club page go to the bottom click on god winks learn how to get involved and and get those things because they'll they'll bless you yes You get up early before the kids for your morning workout. Spend some time studying or reading your devotion. And pick up the kids each afternoon. Whatever the moment, J Radio has you covered. Get your account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store. J Radio, music for every moment. All right, and we're back. So have you checked out J Radio yet? If you haven't, you need to do that. And don't forget that you can send messages to dean at runforgod.com. I've gotten, it's actually the traffic is getting a little heavier with folks asking questions and wanting to know about this or that. And uh, I don't mind answering questions as many as I can. And so um, just be specific about your question. When somebody, you know, somebody, you know, if somebody messages me and sends me an email and says, my leg hurts, what can I do about it? Um, that's hard to answer. So, uh, so be specific and, and help me find pinpoint an answer for you. If you don't know about Run for God, go to runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com to learn more about what Run for God is. You may have just kind of happened up on this podcast and you're listening to it and you're wondering about what is this Run for God? Go check it out. And we want everybody out there to share your story. Everybody has a story and your story can be impactful to someone else. Today, Rebecca is going to share her story. But you have a story, too, and we would love to hear it. And so you can submit those at either one of those those websites, runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com. If you'd like to share it live like Rebecca's about to do here in just a minute, you can do that. If you live close enough to uh, Dalton, Georgia, Chattanooga, Tennessee, we would be glad to have you for your uh, story, to tell your story in your own words because, you know, I can read a story. It's way better coming from the person who experienced it. Um, and, and, you know, stories are one of those things where um, I have a hard time reading stories. Yeah. I don't know about you. I get to Facebook, and when somebody posts something really long, I have a difficult time focusing long enough to read the whole thing because uh -huh. I want to move on to the next thing all the time. Um, uh -huh. But these stories are way better. I think I'm just too, I'm either impatient, lazy, or just too busy. But <laughs> one of those things, but uh, I've got to slow down and force myself to slow down. And it, so you seem like you're kind of that same kind of person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all three of those things could kind of fit me often. The impatient, lazy, too yeah. busy. And, and I joke with my, my close friends about if I ever wrote uh, a running blog, it would have to be titled The Lazy Marathoner. <laughs> Like, uh, I'm just, it, people ask me all the time about that. And I'm like, well, I like marathon distance because, you know, I, I don't have to do as much. I, I can just cruise. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. There's some truth to that. I can't. I'm not a sprinter. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not a sprinter. It takes too much energy. And so <laughs> I, I'm the lazy marathoner. So uh, that's, that's great. 
Oh, I've always said that lazy people usually be usually become more efficient people. That's it, right that's, there. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I, I like efficiency, and and I think that's why it's because I I don't want to have to spend a whole lot of time doing a whole lot of anything. Yeah. Um. And I'm and I'm ADD. I <laughs> I know you ADD folks out there. You get me on this one. Mm-hmm. Um. Eight hundred things in a day is sometimes good and horrible all at the same time. That's right. So. So let's 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 share your story. This story is called Not What But Why and here goes Rebecca sharing her story. All right. And let's see. So there is a diet plan available to suit every lifestyle and every preference if you look hard enough. And for every plan that works, you'll likely find 3 that don't. This story isn't really about any of them and it isn't looking to debate them. Truly? I don't believe there is a one-size-fits-all model for healthy nutrition or weight loss, although it is obvious that some are clearly more effective or destructive than others. Some, maybe, so maybe we can all just put down the pitchforks, the torches, and protein bars and agree for just a moment to harmoniously disagree on what works best and what doesn't work and simply consider what this story is really about. It's not about what you eat, it's about why you are eating it. I was an overweight runner and coach who changed her food lifestyle and as a result lost more than 65 pounds. Hmm. I didn't do it for some higher spiritual growth or notion. I did it for the same reason that most women do it. I was unhappy with what I saw in the mirror. I wanted to look better in my clothes I wanted my husband to find me more attractive. I wanted to feel better about who I was and how the world saw me. I also wanted to be a better runner and a better coach for my Run For God teams. Now, it's true that in those first few weeks of changing my nutrition habits, I did lean on God in a way I had never leaned on him before. Over and over again, any time I felt tempted to eat what was not on my plan, I would stop and pray for God to help me overcome the temptation. He was faithful, and just as he promises us in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, he always provided me a way out. It should be fairly noted, though, that while I certainly did not always like the way out, he did, in fact, provide it. But it wasn't really about my spiritual life until it was. A few years later, and I had kept the weight off, mostly. From time to time, old habits would creep back in and I'd overdo it. 12 pounds here and 8 pounds there. But I always managed to get a handle on it and get things back on track pretty quickly. But a question began looming. Why had I packed on all those pounds to begin with? Ah, yes. Now I remember. I really like food. (laughs) A lot. I'm also an emotional eater. Oh, you know the type and good odds that you've even called yourself that a time or two. We are a worldwide breed of solidarity. We, the emotional eaters, as we comfort each other with ice cream and cookies during an inconsolable heartache or treat each other to elaborately prepared meals with four entrees, mama's award-winning casserole, seven side dish options, and more desserts than Betty Crocker herself could pump out all plated up in giddy celebration. We are a sisterhood of support through brownies and baked goods when the uncertain diagnoses are announced or the kids leave for college. We are a united force that comes together over chips and salsa 
tacos and burritos every Tuesday night when the gloves come off and the dirt starts slinging about whose boss is the worst this week. (laughs) It's just who we are, and no matter the occasion, food is always there. I recognize this as a point of struggle for me, and I determine myself to keep a watchful eye on my tendencies to overindulge when my feelings got the best of me, or I was going to see another unwanted hike on the scale. I began praying that God would lead me in how to maintain this weight loss I had worked so hard to achieve. I felt good about where I was with my food lifestyle, and I was proud of myself for seeking God's help once again to maintain it. So there I was a few months later, a fit and fabulous runner, still running for God and still coaching teams. And during a run one afternoon, God said I was a sinner and he called it by name. Wait, what? sinner yep you heard that right a sinner a sinner so enslaved a sinner held in so much bondage and yet fully unaware that while Jesus had set me free from all of it I was the one holding myself captive to every miserable moment of it of course it didn't start as an all-encompassing sin does it ever It started like most strongholds, with the smallest of choices and the even smaller of consequences. But ultimately, as all sin does when it's left unchecked, it grew into a place of ugliness and shame, guilt and embarrassment, all the while lurking in plain sight, masquerading as the norm. So I didn't even recognize it as sin. Okay. So I knew my behavior at times wasn't good, but sin? Nah, not me, not this. I mean, yeah, a recent Bible study had left me praying in ways I hadn't typically prayed before, praying differently about my sins in my life and continuing that path to being more like Jesus every day. But no way this was a part of that. I'd begun praying the prayers of the psalmist David, a guy I admired for his willingness to be called out by God. And I'd been asking God, just as David did, to call me out, to reveal in me the sins I didn't even know I was committing. And as he continued to speak to my heart daily about this one sin in particular, I repeatedly shut out his voice. Seriously, God, this is what you give me? After all the prayer, after all the seeking, all the surrender, this? This is the sin? It really can't be. It's not even bad enough to be a sin. It's not even destructive enough to be a sin. It's not even strange enough to be a sin. Where's the label of wrongdoing that makes sense here? Where's the accusation that brings astounding revelation and wholehearted repentance? Where is the enemy plaguing my spirit with vile evil that will consume me? It certainly is not the silliness you're calling sin. But as time went on, I couldn't escape the lingering thoughts about what God had been trying so patiently to tell me. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. What does it even mean? How is it sinful to be an emotional eater? Half the women I know, and even a few men, have made mention of their own emotional eating. We can't all be sinful in this. It's just food. God made food, and he wants us to enjoy it. He told us to eat and drink. 
The frustration that came with these questions were relentless. But as I began to search and study, God began leading me in a direction I hadn't thought about. Look at Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a help who is always found in times of trouble. How about 2 Corinthians 1.5? For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Psalm 34.17 The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all of their troubles. Anybody see a recurring theme here? God tells us over and over again in his word that he wants to be the source of our comfort. He is the one that delivers us from the troubles of our heart. When we deny him that role in our lives, we are allowing something else to stand in his rightful place. In Exodus, he says, do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself. That is sin. When I take my emotions to the table instead of to my Savior, it is sin. When I allow myself to be filled with momentary tasteful pleasure to escape the emotions welling up inside of me, it is sin. When I seek comfort on a spoon instead of in worship, it is sin. Emotional eating is a sin. It felt like someone had punched me in the stomach. I couldn't believe what the scriptures were revealing to me. I continued to study over the weeks and found more than just the standard stuff on gluttony. That's a whole nother conversation all its own. Recognizing the emotional eating for what it truly was, sin, changed how I looked at food. It's no longer about, will this cupcake make me fat? It's about my overwhelming desire to please my heavenly father and not sin against him. It's about knowing that I can trust Jesus to be the source of my comfort, the comfort that I need, because he has told me he will. It's about accepting that the only healer of pain and hurt and anger and frustration is Jesus. Food will not be my comforter because Jesus is. I thought back on all the times I had eaten, eaten to sickness in tearful binges. All the times I had planned my day around the solace of a box of Little Debbie cakes that no one knew I had purchased. All the times I sat in the darkness of a midnight bedroom and filled my stomach with whatever sugar-laden package of treats I could find to calm the voice of insecurity and self-doubt that seemed to pursue me endlessly. I was heartbroken at all the times I had denied Jesus the opportunity to be my comforter, to be my source of refuge. And instead, I chose self. I chose flesh. I chose earthly desire. I sobbed in guilt and shame that this was how I had treated God after he had loved me so much. The repentance was swift and the lifting of shame was immediate. I knew, I know, and understand now 
that while I might have liberty to choose food and to choose to eat to satisfy a temporary need, it doesn't mean it will be beneficial to me. And it doesn't mean it won't lead me further into sin. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. We read that in 1 Corinthians 6.12. I still struggle. I still want to eat when the grief of lost loved ones comes rushing back. I still want to eat when frustration from the day's challenges bear down like a thousand pound weight on my shoulders. I still want to eat when perfectionism says I am not good enough. I still want to eat when hurts abound and forgiveness feels impossible. But each day and each new struggle brings a chance for me to live out the faith in Jesus that I cherish so much. To honor him with surrender and allow him to embrace me in comfort in a way that no one or nothing ever can. I've learned to assess my feelings any time before I eat those comfort foods. Why am, why am I going to eat this? What emotions am I feeling right now? Have I talked to Jesus today about how I'm feeling? Would I want him to see what I am doing? Can I ask him to bless what I am doing? Sounds a bit much to some folks, I'm sure. But if we take off all the labels, emotional eating, alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography, adultery, fraud, and we replace them with the one label of sin, then they all look the same. That's how Jesus sees it. And Paul instructs us in Romans 13, 14, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Aren't all these things just a way to satisfy the desires of your flesh? Yes. No matter the sin you choose, every time you choose it, you are choosing to gratify the desires of your flesh. So I will keep fighting against my flesh and its desires, and I will keep fighting against the enemy and the sin he tries to use to keep me from drawing closer into my Lord. I will honor God with my body and with my choices. I will glorify him as the comforter he is and seek refuge in him alone. Wow. You know, you and I had a discussion on the phone, and uh, and I told you, I think, at the time that uh, a lot of people don't understand this, but so many do. There's so many people who understand the emotion that's tied to this and, and what you're talking about. And for me, it's difficult to understand because for me eating is like it's the same thing as driving my truck to a gas station putting a pump in the side pumping it till it's full and then taking it out and being done that's that's food to me is it's just fuel it's just something i got to put in my body to keep me going Um, but i know i've seen i saw this firsthand with my mother Mm. my mother was she would get through with one meal and then she planned her whole day around what she was eating and when she was eating and she would wake up you know what are we eating for breakfast and it's that's all that that's the question that that Mm -hmm. pervaded you know was just pervasive in her mind and my mother struggled with her weight as a as a consequence of that right and i don't know if maybe for me maybe that's why i didn't was Mm -hmm. because i saw that firsthand and so close 
And I saw the emotional struggle, just like you reading this story, just that emotion that every time you, you go back to that, you, it's emotional and it's it hard. And I saw that. And, uh, man, kudos to you for opening up and, and sharing that, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that needed to hear just what you just said. You know, there are so, so many. And um, it's something that we don't we don't talk about in light of what it truly is. Mm-hmm. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's like nearly every woman that I meet or know, uh, you start talking about food, you start talking about uh, what we're eating and weight loss and any of those things. And and nearly every one of them will tell you, oh, I'm, a, I, I'm an emotional eater. I'm a stress eater. Yeah. You know, and, and we we have come to a place in society where that's okay, that's that's fine. Um, you know, we, we've had a really long hard day. We're going to sit down and, and enjoy this at the end of the day. You know, or or uh, we've we've had a, a breakup, and so we're we're going to eat a tub of ice cream or you know whatever yeah. it is. And and all we are doing is self medicating yeah. in the same ways that people use other substances yeah. and. We've made it so common. It's so common. And uh, when you sit and you start to think from a different perspective, when God shows you a different perspective, it's not necessarily about the food. It's about why you're eating the food. Um, It really just changes your relationship with the food. Um, It's such a great point, such a strong one. The scripture references that you have here, and and you mentioned this one in the story, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. Uh, that's 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. Um, I, I like the fact that this verse says, so whoever thinks he stands, or excuse me, the, the, the verse before this says, so whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Like you said, you, there's a point at which you don't know that you're sinning, mm-hmm. right? And it's, you're right. That's what we call it, and that's what it should be called, and we should all call it that, especially when it's us that, that, that we're doing it. Um, but it's just like you're about to fall, but you don't know it. You know, if, you, right. if you've ever been in a situation where, and we've all done it, right? We've been, maybe we're standing on the edge of a of something, and we we accidentally step off, and we just about fall, right? Because we're we're not paying attention, right? And, and you're, I think you're you're dead on with this this whole analogy of we we're not focused in on what it is, right? We're just, we're just focused in on uh, on we we're upset we gained weight, we're upset that we you know we weigh more than we want to. But we're not really getting to the root of the problem. We're not. And, and, and like you said, with the verse before this about so that you will not fall. And then it leads into no temptation has come upon you. And so what happens when we get in that, that position? Let's just say that the, the food lifestyle that you have chosen, you know, says uh, don't eat meat. Right. You mm-hmm. eat all the plants. And, um, you know, if you're you're on that that fence and you're having to make a decision about what to eat there you are on that Mm -hmm. fence about to fall and so then that temptation is there and what do you need to do god tells us very clearly you know that he will keep us from that he will Mm -hmm. provide a way out and so so that 
so that you can bear it yep. and you can make that decision. But oftentimes we see the temptation and we don't stop yep. and we don't pray. We don't ask. And then um, sometimes we do. And God provides a way out. But but we will continually say, we well, you know, I prayed about that. And, and it just I just I wasn't able to overcome it. I, it just it overtook me and it won today and it, it, it got me, you know. Why do you think God didn't provide a way out? But he did. Right. It's it's just like, here's my analogy for this. It just hit me that it's like me going to McDonald's and saying, because I've been eating a plant-based diet. It's like me going to McDonald's and going, well, you know, since there's no plant-based stuff here, I should just eat whatever's on the menu. Right. the, The way out wasn't what what's on the menu the way out was don't go to mcdonald's right right (laughs) or it was order a salad without the meat you know um and that's the thing that that is that is so often the thing that the temptation is great i mean it's there and it's it's all around us everywhere and and it doesn't matter what your sin is you know take the labels off just call it sin doesn't matter what the sin is the temptation is there and it's huge and it's massive but the truth is that way out is always there. We yeah. just don't always like the options, you know. I mean, you, you think about that. Well, I, I, I didn't want to offend my host or um, I, I, I didn't want to upset grandma uh, or it meant I had to go 10 minutes out of my way or whatever it was. I mean, I had to get up early to food prep. Um, pick whatever it is. Oftentimes that way out is there. We just don't choose it because it's harder. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Which we've just gone through the questions that you've that you've asked after that. Um, I think about this that I'm just crazy enough to believe what the Bible says. Yeah, and the Bible says He'll provide a way out. <laughs> then He will. Then and He will. He does. Uh, it's just I, I have to assume right if if I'm if I'm busy saying. God didn't provide a way out. Mm-hmm. Then what I'm doing is I'm kidding myself, right? Because I'm making the wrong choice. What I'm doing is um, I have to assume that I missed it. Right. Whatever that whatever that way out was, I just missed it. That's right. Because because look, it's never going to be easy, right? I, right? I mean, we were never promised easiness as part of this Jesus following life. Yeah. You know, it, it was never promised to be easy. It was just always promised to be worth it. That's and I'm telling you, every time you have to choose the hard way, every time God provides that way out yep. and you take it, it's worth, it's it. worth it every time. Yep. Every time. That's been my experience. Yes. Second scripture. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. That's Second Corinthians 1, 5. Again, I go to, I always look at the verses surrounding a particular verse, and I look at the verse after this, and it says, um, if we are afflicted, it is for our comfort and salvation. Th- think about that. If we are afflicted, it is for our comfort and salvation. Um, and what he's saying is there, there's comfort in him and knowing that what we're experiencing is for our good, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you said, that when the way out is not what we want, we, we just want to complain about the way out. Um, right. when, when the truth is, is that way out is what's the best path for us. We know that. Right. Right. 
Right. The question is, this verse is clear on where our comfort is derived, but how often have you sought comfort from someone or something other than God? And why did you choose that source of comfort over God? Uh, that's a loaded question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that comfort could be anything. You, you mentioned you, you had a list of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, that list, you could, li- you could list hundreds of Absolutely. things there that people rely on for their comfort. Um, and, 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 frankly, there's times where, you know, I'll rely on running for my comfort. Sure. Um, rather than it's okay to use running as a vehicle for the comfort. Right. But if I'm going to use running as a comfort, where I need to go is I need to go to God. Right. During that run. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mine, uh, mine, my, a big one for me, and I know this is true of a lot of other people, um, I, mine was my husband. Yeah. I, I made my husband my Jesus for yeah. a long time yeah. and expected of him um, things that, that he, he can't provide me with. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's, he's not Jesus, and, yeah. and only Jesus can do those things. And so I, I put him in this position of um, being, not being able to live up ever to yeah. that standard because he was here. And he was a tangible part of my life. And, um, you know, using a a spouse or another person as your source of comfort is so easy to do. Um, But but they can't. They can never, ever provide you with what Jesus can. That's right. So why do we choose another source of comfort? And I I would say that it's, it's this, that the world is telling us that those other sources of comfort are good places to go. Mm-hmm. The, the world is busy telling, I, I, get, I get a little angry at this, and, and if, I, if I step on some toes here, I'm so sorry. But um, I, I get angry at people who say, um, you know, that, that somebody who's obese that says, you're fine the way you are. Yes, mentally, the person you are is fine, but it's not okay to be unhealthy. Right. And, and we we do that, and we, when we do that, we're excusing sin because right. sin leads to that condition. Now, there are very rare occasions that, that don't. I'm not talking about those. But for the most part, sin puts us in a position that we're in, just like you talk about. And, um, and, and it just happens that this, that illustration is, is a diet-related one. But Absolutely. Uh, the world is telling us. It's busy telling us all the time. It's okay. It's right. okay. It's okay to not be... And God tells us it's okay not to be perfect. Right. But he doesn't tell us it's okay to sin. Exactly. And, and that's part of this. And that's part of what this this story is about, really, is looking at not, not you know, how you can not be overweight. You know, it's, it's about why are you overweight? Yeah. Because if it's, if it's driven in sin, sin that you may not even recognize— you're still accountable for that mm-hmm. and you still have work to do and, and and to be um you know on your face with jesus about that and mm-hmm. and, and allowing him to work and change you and 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 i'm not one that's going to sit here and say well if you'll just pray about it a bunch you'll lose that weight and you'll be thin 
it's it's all right yeah um but there's a process here and and recognizing how you got to where you are if it's sin related that's a huge piece of it yeah, you know and absolutely. if you're mature and you're walking your your walk with jesus then then it, it is it is time to call a spade a spade. That's right. Uh, my friends know I, I like that expression. Just just call a spade a spade. You know, call it sin. I, I know when it happened for me, it was like you've got to be kidding me right now. There's mm. no way this is sin. Like yeah. I, I was mad. Yeah. I was mad at God, and I was praying separately about two different things, and and I was I was irritated, like annoyed. That really on this front over here, I'm praying about these hidden sins and and I just know God's going to give me this big thing in my life that's so destructive and and it's so awful. And I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that this is hiding in my heart and and it's going to be huge. And and I was like, really, that's not really hardcore enough for me. God, try again, you know, Um, and and now looking back, though, I think. Holy moly, that was an answer to prayer. Yeah. Like, because uh, it's changed my whole relationship with food and, and how I look at it. And, and I, I'm not a rail. I'm, I'm not super skinny. I'm not afraid to tell you. I weigh 163 pounds. <laughs> uh, my Garmin Connect will tell you that. I got a fancy scale that tells me exactly how much I weigh and my muscle mass, my BMI, and all that good jazz every day. I'm not afraid to tell you that because I know that whatever i'm holding physically on my body that i may not like or the world doesn't like or my genes from a few years ago don't like um it's not there because of sin and that makes a big difference in your attitude about how you feel and your weight and everything around it and i find it interesting one of the things you bring up this the whole subject of eating and why we eat and the things that we do and as churches we're so guilty. I, I well, I <laughs> yeah. think I, I used to teach Sunday school class before COVID. Uh, maybe one day we'll get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but my class would always get on some kind of a particular sin, and they would just be hammering down on that yes. sin. We're talking about you know pornography. It's easy to ha- nobody's out there trying to justify pornography, or right. at least in the churches they're not. Nobody's trying to justify that. But we're justifying gluttony all the time. Yes, and so sir. every time my class would get on one thing like that, we I would head straight to gluttony. Well, what about gluttony? That's a sin too. And, and everybody's like, "All right, can we move on?" Now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny. And that's the thing, though. Like when you 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 get to a point in this life, and you get to a point in your relationship with Jesus, where you start to understand. If the message is being talked about by your pastor, by your Sunday school teacher, your church leader, life group, whoever it is, podcast you're listening to, if it's making you wiggle in your seat just a minute, and twitch and adjust, and you don't like it, and you can feel you can feel that redness coming up your neck, Lord's probably talking to you. You know, He's probably talking to you, and it's not, this stuff is not easy, and it's it's hard, and and it's and I. I mean, I almost called you and said, you know what? No, I know I said I would do it. Uh, you asked me to come. I said that I would, but I, I just can't. And and I really, and I went to some personal friends and that are awesome prayer partners, accountability partners in my life. And I said, I need you to pray about this because yeah. this is hard stuff for me. There's a vulnerability that is put forth when you're talking about a subject like this mm-hmm. that is not easy to talk about. It's not easy to accept. 
Um, And it it takes relationship, I think, Mm -hmm. and connection to be able to open up about some of those things. And and that's that's a hard thing to do. Um, So but it, it 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 matters. And when we start talking about those things that make us squirm, it's generally you know, the, the Lord Holy talking Spirit. to us, yep. you know. Another scripture reference. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. That's in Romans thirteen, fourteen. Make no provisions. That's pretty strong. It right? is strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I know that, um, you know, this, this is uh, talking, you know, he's mostly talking to the church about uh sexual immorality here but mm. but this applies to you know anything is that that fleshly desire yep. um it applies to any type of fleshly desire and he's talking about putting on the lord jesus christ in this case right so right. it's way easier to avoid those temptations mm-hmm. when you've got him just exploding out of you this is where the idea of providing a way to me comes in because he is the way right and that's that's the that's the whole key to this whole thing is is that when we have jesus and when our relationship is solid with him it's so much easier to avoid doing these things we know we shouldn't do right um but again you have to take them to him and you have to recognize it right first. right and right. if he's making provisions for a way out and you're making provisions for the flesh, those don't go together. You know, somebody's got to give up something. And you think about what Jesus did in the desert. You know, we we think about how hard it is to resist temptation. Uh, And Jesus, you know, Jesus was tempted too. Exactly. uh, Anyway. If Jesus can do, he understands it, he knows it, and he doesn't excuse it. Right. And so then, then too, when we try to hide from him, on it like he knows he yep. gets it he yep. knows what we're going through why why hide it yeah, you know why right. why try to pretend like we're not tempted or or like it's a struggle for us yeah last question we all struggle with desires of the flesh what desire do you wrestle with most and how are you making provisions in your life that allow you to continue gratifying the fleshly desire you know, my, my struggle, if I'm, I thought about this and I thought, what, what is my struggle? Um, mm. And this may not be one that people think about as being a desire of the flesh, but it is to me. Mm-hmm. And that is, I struggle with wanting to be right. Mm. I really do. I want to argue with people and I want to show you just how smart I am. And if we're talking about politics, I'll, I'll argue about politics for days on end uh, <laughs> because I think I'm right. Right. And it's more important for me sometimes to be right than it is to consider the other person's feelings. And so yeah. sometimes and we see this in politics all the time. Right. Uh-huh. People tearing other people down because they don't recognize that the person that's on the other end of that conversation is a human being with feelings. Right. And you just told them that they're a moron. Right. Right. And so. Right. That's not a that's not a great way to to do things. It's it's not. That's my that's my thing that gets me in trouble. Is yeah. I have a really when somebody says something I don't, that I don't agree with. It's good if you can let it go. I'll give you an example of something. When you came in with a Starbucks cu- cup, uh huh. I won't go to Starbucks. I won't go there for for reasons that are 
I've got personal reasons why I don't go to Starbucks. So when I yeah. see that, I want to tell somebody, you shouldn't go to Starbucks. And here's why. Right? Right. Now, I only bring that up because it's in front of me. Right. But, but it was hard for me to not say that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's my struggle. That's my fleshly struggle. I, I struggle with that sometimes, too. And, um, I, and, and my poor husband. Like he he is the one that will get the brunt of that often because you know we're empty mm-hmm. nesters now, um, praise the Lord, and uh, our our kids are graduated from college, almost graduated from college, and so he's the only one there for me to mama anymore, and and you know that's hard for me. Like I want to be right and tell him like you shouldn't do that, yeah, or you should do this, or don't wear those shoes, or you know, um, I want to be right. About yep. that, but I, I remember way back when when I was stay at home mom, and um, that Dr. Phil was on TV. I don't even yeah. know if he's on TV anymore. We're a we're a, a streaming yeah. Uh, yeah. people only. We don't do cable anymore. But, um he said one time, I'll never ever forget this. Looking at some little lady, you want to be right or you want to be happy, and so I, I've thought about that over the years in different situations and then now that phrase has sort of stuck with me but from a spiritual perspective do you want to be right or do you want to be a witness right and so sometimes it takes us just shutting up when we want to be right um, in order to be a good witness Uh, well i'll say this god has convicted me of it more times than i can count and he yeah. ha- he has brought me a long way. And my wife is so good because she sees it. She knows that I struggle with that. And she sees me to start going that direction. Mm-hmm. And, and she's really quick to, to just <laughs> not. She doesn't do it in an ugly way. It's just like, you know, <laughs> she doesn't say it this way, but it's almost like you probably don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And thank, thank goodness for spouses who love Jesus more than they love us. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the truth because my, my husband does and we tell each other that often i love you but i love jesus more <laughs> and um i i just think where where would i be <laughs> without that in my life and yep. so they're so gracious in in those ways that we struggle we've all got checks and balances and that's a that's always a good one yes While you are working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We have partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Mitchell, Lane, Holly, me, and others that you hear on the Run Club podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist now at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. So you've been a Run For God coach for how long now? Oh gosh, seven, seven years. All right. And it really does change your life just as much as it changes those folks in it, doesn't it? Oh, gosh, yes. Incredibly. Yeah. If you're out there and you've thought about it and you haven't done it, um, it's it'll change your life. I'm telling you. Pull the trigger. Yeah. Now it is time for Dean's thoughts. And that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. You know, last week we talked a little about how little we know 
Um, and this week we're going to talk about acting like we know more than we do. So uh, you probably think uh, I have a hard time making up my mind, but maybe you'll understand it after I get through with this story. It is called Fake It Till You Make It. You know who George Washington was, but do you know his second cousin, William Washington? Both were military leaders in the Revolutionary War. As you probably already know, it took some time to gain momentum in the war. For a long time, though the fighting was fierce, the Continental Army had difficulties making progress. After all, the British forces were, perhaps, the strongest on the planet at the time. But there was a short period of time when the tide shifted and suddenly favored the Continental Army. One of the battles that forced the shift was led by William Washington at a place called Rugley's Mill in Camden, South Carolina on December 4th, 1780. Washington's troop met 119 loyalist troops at a barn on the property. Since Washington's group had only 60 men, they were seriously outnumbered. Washington came up with the idea to construct a Quaker gun. He used a large, smooth trunk from a tree and two wagon wheels with the axle to form what looked like a large cannon. They scared the Loyalists into surrendering when Washington claimed they would destroy the building in which they were housed along with the occupants. There's a phrase for their actions. I call it, fake it till you make it. <laughs> Sometimes misplaced confidence, a little creativity, and real determination can get us further than pure talent. I remember a high school runner who drove me crazy because he would charge to the head of nearly every race only to fade after the first mile and finish in the middle of the pack. It was a tough thing to watch and an even tougher thing for him to endure. But you know what happened to that guy? Within a year and a half, he won a state championship. He faked it until he made it. I believe we only use a tiny fraction of our mind to do the things we do. Our physical capabilities are more than we believe. When we do difficult things like running, our mind is constantly telling our body to slow down or to stop. It does that because our brain acts as a protective mechanism that keeps us from doing stupid things that might get us killed. But as it does so, it leaves quite a bit of buffer to ensure we never even get close to death. That's why we think we need to slow down. That's why your brain sends those pain indicators. Think about walking around on the top of a tall building. Even though we would be fine walking within a foot of the edge, our brain tells us to stop further back. It's really scary to step within three or four feet of the edge, right? Now think about walking up to a line on the floor. Walking to within a few inches of that line doesn't seem to be a big deal, does it? The danger is gone, so our brain isn't warning us. When our heart rate is elevated and our legs are burning from running, our brain is telling us that we can't keep it up forever. It's making a calculation on the conservative side to make sure that we don't go too far. It is keeping us far from the edge of the building. But I think about the best runners who are currently, who are consistently overriding that signal from their brain. They're constantly pushing themselves a little further and a little harder. They're getting a little closer to the edge of the building, but still plenty safe. They're faking it. Eventually, they make it. 
sometimes you have to reverse the communication of your brain. You have to tell your brain what to do, reversing the normal direction of orders. Sometimes you have to fake it until you make it. That's how all the great runners do it. There was always a sub-four-minute mile in Roger Bannister, even before he ran it. He faked it for years, meaning he believed it was in him even before it materialized, before he finally made it. You probably don't have a sub-four-minute mile in you, but there is probably more there than you think. Believe it, and you just may surprise yourself. There was a guy in the Bible named Moses. Ever heard of him? <laughs> of course you have. Every, even non-believers know who Moses was. If he relied on the signals from his brain, he would never have led the Israelites to the promised land. How do we know? Well, he told God what was coming from that brain. He tried to explain to God that he was not the guy to do what needed to be done. God basically told him to fake it anyway, and he would fill in the places Moses couldn't do it on his own. If Moses was the man his brain thought he was, he is the ultimate fake-it-till-you-make-it guy. Whether you're confidently bluffing the enemy, like Washington, or unconfidently leading hundreds of thousands of people through the wilderness, or just meeting your next running goal, sometimes you just need to act like you're already there. And when you do, you may just find that you wake up one day and boom, you're there. <laughs> uh, I know uh, it almost sounds like fake it till you make it is like lying, but that's not, that's not what I'm saying. Right. I hope everybody right. understands that. You know, I coach kids... Uh, and young adults, uh, and and they're so concerned with how they look, uh-huh. right? They're they're it, it's it's. I remember going to a track meet one time, and we we, we look on on Google Maps and we find there's a Chick Fil A close by. Well, we kind of realize well it's in this building over here, just on this part of the campus. Uh-huh. And so I, I take and I've got all these college girls, and we're all walking as a group to go to this Chick-fil-A to get something to eat for lunch while the track meet's going on. And we go into this building. Well, the Chick-fil-A's not right there in front of us. We don't know where it is. We walk in this. It looks like it should be here. It's not here. And so we go a little further into the building, and I I opened a door that we walked through so that all these ladies could walk through the door, and I went in behind them. Well, there's an information desk just ahead of us. Mm -hmm. What do you do at an information desk? Yeah, you get the information. You get information, right? <laughs> so I walk up to this information desk. All the girls are already there, and they're all just standing around staring at the person at the information desk. Nobody wants to ask the question, where is the Chick-fil-A? <laughs> so I part, I part the girls. I walk through, and I, I'm, and I ask, where is the Chick-fil-A? And they tell me, and we go to the Chick-fil-A. But the fact was is those girls were afraid if they asked where the Chick-fil-A was, they might seem like they didn't know what was going on. And right. they didn't want anybody to think. They didn't know what was going on. Yeah. It's just amazing to me that people are so scared uh, to, to, to do that. It, um, is, it is incredible. I, I tell them, act like you've been there before. Right, right. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, and this, this speaks to something that has really just been dr- like jumping out at me lately. And, and um, Angie Hawkins it was on here a few weeks ago. Uh, we're buds, and we, we talk often. We, we live very far away from each other, but, um, but we talk often these days. And um, we, we were talking about this. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of new runners um, who don't consider themselves runners, like they're borrowing the sport for just a minute and trying it out. And um, 
And the truth is, I think they're just afraid to call themselves a runner because they're afraid that a more experienced runner may think they're not good enough to be called a runner. And and the truth is, when you really get to know runners, you know, experienced runners, that's not at all the way most of us see new runners, you know. and We love new runners. Yeah. I mean, you may not feel like a runner, but you are. And so fake it till you make it. You know, call yourself a runner because that's what you are, even if you don't really feel like one. If you're out there running at any point, you're a runner. (laughs) And what's ironic about that, sort of like sort of like these girls I was talking about standing there in front of this information desk, Uh the the idea that they were trying not to fake it made them conspicuous so it was be it was because they were trying not to be conspicuous that they became conspicuous right and right. so that's that's the way these these people who are not who are not just act sure of themselves as runners are they make themselves obvious by right. questioning who they are just get in there and mix it up and be just get in there with everybody else exactly You're one of them. exactly and, and and by saying repeatedly well i'm not a real runner I, i'm not a runner Yes, you are. You are a runner because real runners, we run. We run different paces and different distances and different days and different times. Yeah. So you're right. that it's, it's, You're making it worse by yeah. trying to take it off of you, like trying to protect what you look like. Yeah, yeah. So. it's absolutely true. And it's that way for Bible study and prayer, too. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 there's days where you're kind of forcing yourself you're kind of forcing it i mean there's mm-hmm. just there are those days we have those days and sometimes we catch ourselves and we correct it and sometimes we don't and sometimes we just we just get through things right but it's a lot like running there are days when you know i've run 80 90 thousand miles in my life i don't know how many i've run a lot of miles in my life and you know the majority of those miles were just ordinary miles they right. were just they were just ordinary. There was nothing special about most of those miles. But if I didn't run all of those ordinary miles, I wouldn't have ever had those fantastic miles. Yeah. I just ran that 5K that, that Lane helped pace me through back in December. And I wouldn't have been able to run that 5K right. in, that, in that time and have that top of the mountain moment if I hadn't gone through all the other days that led up to that day. That's right. Uh, that's so right. I think that's important for us to to realize that, and that's that's kind of it's not faking it till you make it, but it's 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 acting right. like you're already there and believing right. that you're going to be right. Yeah. Uh, you don't get to you, you you don't get to those amazing Bible moments either. No. Un, until you you've slogged through, and I say slogged through. It sounds bad, but it really is. Right. It's, it's getting through all those other things before one day. You know, it's great to listen to somebody else make a great Bible point, right? Uh-huh. You listen to sure. a preacher and they make a great Bible point, and we love that. And we take that and we use it, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you know what's even better? What's even better is when you've got your own nose in the Bible and that point hits you right out of the Bible. Amen. And didn't come through a messenger. Amen. Right? And Absolutely. So, and and you're right. It's Some days it does feel like slogging through. And you have to, I agree with you, it feels weird to say fake it when it comes to your Bible study and so forth. But, you know, there's a misconception that those of us that are in ministry full time Mm -hmm. are are these incredible Bible scholars and we just sit with our nose in a Bible all the time and we know all the answers and all the theology and and all of the stuff. But the truth is we go through seasons of thirst 
mm-hmm. just like anybody else, just like any other follower of Jesus. And and there are times that you open your Bible and you think nothing in here is new today. Yeah. You know, this this has all this was all here yesterday. But um, but you do it anyway and you read it anyway because your desire to please the Lord is greater than yeah. your desire to please yourself. And and sometimes you you do have to sort of fake it till you make yep. it when it comes to that. Amen. But Amen. if you'll pray about it That's now, pray about it. Yep. I, I've never been in a dry season of relationship with jesus that i didn't pray about and he will fix that in a second he will he will, so. he will. It, just, it just takes the same thing we talked about with your story it takes recognition right and noticing right yep. and, and praying pray that god will restore that thirst and hunger for his word and 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 your relationship with him because he will, he will. every time If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. Right, so we're back, and we're here with Rebecca McGeorge still. She is um, a Run for God coach, and so she has seen a number of people come through the Run for God program. So can you tell me, I think I know the answer to this question, tell me what your favorite Run for God story is. Okay, so we, we have a story sort of that starts way back almost in the beginning of Run yeah. for God for me. Um, and it, it's still going on. And I think that's part of why it's my favorite. Yeah. Um, so the the second season that I was coaching uh, with Run for God, because we, we do seasons, we don't call them years, because we do more than one a year. And, and the second season, um, I had a uh, a couple of new runners that I didn't know and one and this this will tell you how run for God especially becoming a coach will change your life I got a phone call one day out of the blue totally out of the blue hi my name is Jerry I heard you coach running groups I found you on Google I just I just googled Christian running and I got you can I join your group Cold call out of the blue. This chick wow. found me on Google. Google <laughs> search brought her to me. And I gave her all the information when we were going to start and all this stuff. Didn't hear back from her for almost a month um, because we, we were marketing, but it wasn't time yet. So she shows up. She brings a couple of friends with her. And one of the friends that she brought with her, her name was Teresa. And so Teresa came to the first meeting and, and, you know, we always ask those questions about, you know, what's your why? Why are you here? All those things. And and Teresa, it's her turn. And I can tell immediately she is quiet. 
she is kind of shallow, introverted, wasn't too sure what to say. And Teresa says to me, well, um, I'm here because God's calling me to go on a mission trip. And I know that my body is not in shape enough to go to a foreign country and, and, and walk and do all the things there. And, and I want to be able to do that because I know that God is calling me to do it. And I, I was blown away because at this point, we'd only had one other season besides this. And I had never had anybody give me an answer that wasn't related to just, the, you know, the normal stuff. Like, I want to run a 5K or I want to lose a few pounds. I want to get in shape. And, and so it really took me by surprise. Turns out she had never run before, ever. Um, she, she made a joke about last time she ran. She was in high school and was forced to run the mile. You know, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we get started, and as we're going along, a couple of weeks in, I I keep getting these people coming to me and saying, hey, way back in the back there, there's a girl, you know, Teresa, in the back. She's really struggling. We we really need to keep an eye on her. And so I worried a lot about Teresa back there in the back. And, um, you know, I was the only coach for our group back then, and so I would use a whistle, and it would be a big, long group of people in different paces, and um, and so you can't do everything. Uh, and so I had some folks sort of helping me out, keeping an eye on Teresa in the back. And Teresa was just barely making it through, um, just barely. And there were a lot of times where those run intervals became a little bit more walk than run. But we started praying over her. And we started praying that, that God would just change things for her. And Teresa made it through the season. She made it through the season. She ran the 5K. She did it with her husband. It was amazing. She went on to, to go on the mission trip. She was fully physically capable of doing it. But the coolest part about this is at the same time, Teresa is like working on her nutrition, her food lifestyle. She's she's desiring to lose weight. And and she did that. She's dropped, I, I want to say it's like 100 pounds or something. Wow. Um she has been incredible and you know in 2017 or 18 17 she ran a full marathon wow this is a lady who had never run before and she signed up for the the run for god 5k challenge and then she did a 10k and then she did a half and then she probably did another couple of halves and then she did a full marathon like it's incredible to watch that happen. And then when you see what her physical shape looked like from one thing to the next, it's just amazing. And so recently she she sent me a text message and she said, today my Facebook told me that it was six years ago today that I ran my first 60 seconds with Run for God. Wow. Isn't that awesome? I said, you got to post that in, in the Facebook group. Like you got to post that because we were on week six. Yeah, and um, and so I just thought that was like so cool that nice. that was sixty seconds, and so we, I, um, she did post it. I, I put a picture on there of her, but but Teresa in the back is Teresa in the front, man. Yeah. She's leading the way, and it's awesome. I love it. Such such a great story. If you're out there and you're wondering if you can do it, you're struggling right now. Think about Teresa in the back. And, yeah. and and think about what she has done since then and um i you know i saw the post the the look of joy in her face is, is fantastic 
yeah. and uh, it, it has it has changed her life. It and, has. Uh, it has. It's it's awesome to see. Our trivia question for today is this. There was a guy from Canada who attempted to run across Canada in 1980 to raise money for cancer research. Tell me his name. What was unique about the attempt and why he had to abandon the run after over 3,000 miles. So you can send those answers to dean at runforgod.com. Uh, don't send them through Messenger or through any other way, but send them to through email to dean at runforgod.com. The first person to answer this correctly um, will will win a prize. Now, I want to warn you up front about this particular question. Um, there was another guy very similar to this guy who not long after this guy um, actually accomplished this task. So don't get them confused. This was the first guy. This is the most famous of the guys, and there's a reason why he's famous. And it is a fantastic story. So if you don't know this story, you need to go out there and research it and read about it because um, it's, a, it's a neat story. I, unfortunately, as old as I am, um, I was around when this happened and remember it so uh i was too but i don't i don't remember it (laughs) every week i share a reason of why running is so awesome and so this is this week's reason or this yeah this week's reason why running is so awesome it is perfect for all different personalities think about that if you're a type a personality that person who's hard driving and just wants to get stuff done and much 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 you know if you're that type of person running will humble you yeah (laughs) and it'll make you feel like you accomplished something now if you're a type b personality who is kind of laid back maybe you're introverted maybe you know you're 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 not one of those drivers you're more analytical person well running is a great way to get away from everything else mm-hmm. and everybody else and so those those are the two extreme personalities there's a lot in between and running provides something for everybody do you like groups yeah. well running with groups is awesome right mm-hmm. um, it just doesn't matter what your personality is running fits your personality it and, does and i don't know what made me even think about that but i thought man that's pretty cool. How many other sports are there like that? Other sports are probably more suited to a particular personality. Yeah. So, yeah. Our motivational thought of the week is this, and it comes from Michael Jordan. Obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. Mm. I just, sometimes it's just a matter of taking a few minutes to think about what 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 it is we've got in front of us <coughs> and we can get around obstacles or get over obstacles or through obstacles um, when things don't go right to me that's always an opportunity to figure out a new way mm-hmm. and i still get frustrated when things don't go right mm-hmm. <laughs> but oh yeah um, but it is an opportunity yeah and it's and, problem solving yeah and when you solve that problem, yes. it's like a victory, right? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Marathon <laughs> training is often like that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. why did I have stomach distress today? Or why did I keep getting a blister on my left foot? And problem solved, man. You get, think about it. Yep. Go through it. Go around it. Go over it. Go under it. Whatever it is. Absolutely. You can, you can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, folks. Um, make sure that you're sharing Run Club with other folks. 
we we want to grow, and uh, we because when we grow, we spread the word further, and that's the whole idea behind what Run for God is about: is Absolutely. spreading the words of Jesus further, wider, and deeper, and uh, that's that's the mission. Yes. And so, the more you share with others, uh, the more that can happen. So, everybody, you're doing great. Keep up all the great training, all the good things that you're doing. Keep supporting one another like you do on Facebook. It's just fantastic to see how everybody is just lifting everybody up. Keep glorifying God in your running and all that you do. Now, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.